The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Over the holidays, we were blessed with time with our various extended families. And my husband Scott's family was in town from California. And we were especially delighted to get time with our niece, who's about the same age as our younger daughter, and her parents, Scott's sister, and our brother-in-law. Our brother-in-law has a fascinating background. He was born and raised in Egypt and grew up as a devout Muslim. And I'm always interested in how families and parents are wrestling with the question of how to raise their children in faith. How much do we pass on our traditions? How much do we leave to their own choice? And so we started talking a bit about how we are all navigating these things, what we are choosing to pass down, what are we leaving for choice for our children's. And as I was talking to my brother-in-law, Michal, I asked him because I realized I don't know enough about Islam. I know about Judaism, the faith of my sister and my father. I know a few things about Christianity. A little bit less about Islam. I know that in the Jewish faith, the initiation for a young baby into the faith would have to do with a brisk and a naming ceremony. Later on, bar and bat mitzvahs, much like we have confirmation. I know that we have the sacrament of baptism. And so I asked Michal if he were to initiate their daughter into Islam to be a Muslim, what would that right be? Is there something like baptism? And he said, no. I mean, sure, if you do conversion, sometimes there's some, some prayers that can be recited, but there's nothing like baptism because people are born Muslim and they can choose to embrace that identity 
or not. For him in his culture to not be Muslim would be not not choosing it, but living something behind a veil, to live a somewhat inauthentic life. It stuck with me as I've wrestled with this baptism text and with the role that baptism and initiation take within our church and our culture. Because what we're seeing here in this gospel is not baptism. I mean, we call it baptism, but it's not baptism as we know it. Christianity doesn't exist yet, right? We know that. If we don't know it, Christianity doesn't exist yet. We're good. All right. Jesus is Jewish. John is Jewish, and they're standing in a river, okay? They are participating most likely in something like a cleansing ritual, which was common in Jewish practice and culture. A practice that was about reconnecting and reuniting and purifying yourself to be with God. Jesus, at this point, is a prophetically known person, but so is John the Baptist, even perhaps more so than Jesus. We're very early in Christ's ministry. The practice of baptism as we know it, as we practice it, as becoming a rite of entry into the Christian church, did not become prominent until about the 4th or 5th century, hundreds of years later, when people preparing to join the Christian church would spend months, a year, in study and preparation to be baptized by a bishop, not a priest, at the Easter Vigil, once a year did we hold the sacrament of baptism. It was not until later on that we even began the practice of infant baptism, especially around the time of the plague, as infant mortality rates rose. The need for infant baptism grew. And it did not grow just because people wanted their babies to be Christian but was intrinsically tied to a theology of sin that was being taught by the church, of original sin, of the uniqueness of Christ, the way in which the Christian church from the 4th and 5th century on was trying to make a name and a mark for itself in the world to distinguish itself from faiths like Judaism or Islam, to talk about the necessity of Christ, came with it sin, purgatory, and all those things we need to avoid by becoming Christian. And so infant baptism rose to save babies' souls. And so today, we often still do that. Probably less to save babies' souls, but that practice has been embedded into our lives, that we baptize our babies when they are new. Even me as someone who appreciates so deeply that I chose to be baptized when I was seven, I could not help but baptize my girls when they were little babies in these white dresses and this picture-perfect day with the feast day and the candles and all the things. Our dear friend whose uh, wedding I did uh, had a daughter 
And even her husband was like, well, we've got to baptize the baby before she's a year old, right? It's embedded and creeped into our beliefs and our practices. So much so that we have tied baptism and this rite of initiation into the washing away of some sin that needs to be washed away so that we can be with God. Even if we want to outwardly reject it, it seeps into our subconscious. But this baptism, this cleansing, this thing at the river looks very different than babies in white robes with this little trinkle of water and a priest in fancy robes baptizing them. This is an incredibly human ritual. This is Jesus, Son of God, perfectly human and perfectly divine, getting into a river with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who is this sort of wild character. I like to describe him as the person you cross the street so you don't have to walk next to. He's not really something, someone you want to hang out with. And the two of them get into a river, and Jesus, the perfect Son of God without sin, asks to be baptized. And right then and there, we have a choice. We can either hold on to the narrative that we've been fed by the history of church teachings, that baptism is about a cleansing of sin, or we can reject that. Because what sin was Jesus washing away? What, you know, lusting after a neighbor or stealing something or, you know, cheating? I don't know. Jesus was without sin. That is a foundational part of our theology. There was nothing he was going and repenting for. So clearly that should not be what we hold on to baptism for. In fact, this whole narrative is a bit problematic for the church. Theologians like John Dominic Crossan, who studies the life of Jesus and the historical figure of Christ, says that the baptism narrative is a bit of an embarrassment. The early church didn't like it. Because why was Jesus, the perfect son of God, baptized by this crazy guy, John? It didn't really fit with Jesus as king in this salvation model and the necessity of this perfect, glorified Christ. The church has worked hard to sanitize this narrative, to hold baptism as something done by the elite and the ordained, to make it easy to consume. As one member of the 8 o'clock service said, to use baptism like a vaccine. We need to reject this narrative. Because what happens in this gospel is Jesus, the perfect Son of God, with nothing to repent for, goes into the water with John to become his full self. Not just to become it, but to know it to break through the water and have the heavens open and say, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is happening in our season after Epiphany where we are coming to know our own epiphanies, and this is one of them. The recognition of the nature of Christ. The nature of Christ as the Son of God.
He does not need to be baptized to become that. He already is that. But I think back to that conversation with my brother-in-law about living in to who we are made to be or choosing to live behind a veil. What if this baptism is about coming to know who we are, to choose and claim that identity of our God-made selves, that Jesus needed and wanted to have affirmed, to have named with another person present. For that is what we need to be the people that God has already created us to be, to be the people that we already are. To be in a community and name together that you are a child of God, that you are beloved, and with you God is well pleased. We are baptized not to wash away a sinfulness that we cannot continue to hold but we are baptized to fully live into the identity that God has uniquely given us, to fully immerse ourselves into who God has created us to be. Not for sin, not as a vaccine, not as an escape from purgatory, but as an invitation to a full, vibrant life that is authentic and deep and acclaimed not only by ourselves, but by our community. We are God's children. We are beloved. And with us, God is well pleased. Amen.